Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Bloom the Podcast, Season 2. Thank you all so much for tuning in to another episode of Bloom the Podcast. We're so happy that you guys are here, and we have a super exciting episode for you guys today. If you guys are new, welcome to the Bloom family. I'm your host, Donovan, and I'm here with the one and only co-host, Ashley. And we are pumped to be back. If you guys missed our last episode, go back. Because <laughs> it was a really fun one. You definitely want to listen. Yeah, you definitely want to check that out. We covered a lot of ground. We may even go back because there's still more stuff that could be said. It's funny after after each episode that we record, I'll be in the shower the next day, and I'm like, ah, that, I didn't say that. Like, there's yeah. always something more that can be said, right, um, about these topics to just flush it out a little bit more. So we may circle back. But yeah, if you guys didn't check it out, we talked about men's modesty, um, a very uh, not talked about slash taboo topic and um, yeah just want to point a light at that and get the conversation rolling um, but for today's episode we're not going to waste any time because you viewers have participated in this episode we put out a post on our instagram page to ask us some questions for a Q&A episode and here we are with your <laughs> questions And we are super excited. We love interacting with you guys and, you know, talking about what you guys want to hear us talk about. So these are always really fun. So if you ever have a question, don't hesitate to ask or don't wait for a post about a Q&A. Just shoot us over a question. We can either do a full episode on it or next time a Q&A rolls around, which I want to do these more regularly. Um, So next time a Q&A episode runs around, we can tackle your question. So if you didn't hear your question get answered in this episode, do not worry because we write down all the questions and we'll make sure we cover them all so jumping straight into the first question um one of the viewers wanted to know our testimonies um so i think it's a good way to start Mm -hmm. a good uh good ground level question there and if you guys are long time og bloomers and you know the first episode that we did or that i did (laughs) yeah i was like i wasn't even here um i kind of went over a shotgun version of my testimony um so if you guys want to listen to that, feel free to go check that out. But um, why don't you go ahead and start us off? Yeah. So basically, grew up in a Christian home, us both. <laughs> in case Which y'all one? didn't know, we were related. <laughs> um, we're related. I feel like a Not lot of anymore. people don't know that we're related. <laughs> oh, yeah. We don't have the same last name, so they probably don't even think about it. Yeah. I bet, like, especially like when we post, I bet a lot of people think that we're like dating or something. Ooh. Y'all, I'm married. <laughs> this is my brother. <laughs> Um, I've been brother zone. <laughs> so back to my testimony. Grew up in a Christian home. Um, so I've been hearing the gospel from a young age. And I always knew that I wanted to be saved because like my whole family was saved. And like, you know, that was like the thing to do when you grow up in that kind of setting. Yeah. Um, but then as I got a little older, there started to become a fear of going to hell, which made that desire even more strong to become a believer. Um, but it wasn't until maybe like around like seven-ish, I started actually feeling the weight of my sin. It was like something I constantly thought about. And I my mom was actually talking about this the other day, but like... Um, I used to come to her like every five minutes and be like, I think I sin. Like I need to confess something. And it like wasn't even like really anything. It was just like I was so like I just felt so guilty. Like I just like 
I needed someone to forgive me, you know? So my mom took every opportunity she had to um, share the gospel with me and talk about forgiveness and, you know, how uh, Christ died on the cross for our sins and all that great stuff. So I was constantly like hearing about it every day because I was constantly going to her and she'd pray with me and I would tell her how I wanted to be saved and ask her how to be saved. And I think I even remember asking in like, it was like after Bible time and all of you guys like told me how you guys became Christians or something like that. Mm. I don't know if you remember that, but really long time ago. <laughs> I don't even know. How old was that? Because I might not have even been saved. I think I probably would have said I was, I was like probably like eight ish. So maybe we were like 10 or something. I don't think I'll say that 10. So I probably lied. But that's a, <laughs> <laughs> that's <laughs> yeah. Well, it was helpful. So, you know, <laughs> and it's what happens. Yeah. What happens. God be using things for good, even when you mean it for evil. Yep. Um, so, Facts. yeah. So and then I also remember just like every nap time I would talk to her about how I was afraid to go to hell. Like that's like what made me scared to like take my naps was like mm. that was like my thought when I go down for my nap. Yeah. So I just had a lot of opportunities to talk with my mom about that stuff. And so finally, like you know, I was able to put all those things together and realize like, okay, I've had this desire to be saved, but now I really have like a desire to be saved because now I've been thinking about sin and thinking about all those other actual <laughs> real things. Yeah. Um, so I'd say I became a Christian around the age of eight, um, but obviously like your brain can only understand so much at that age. So right. around like as I got older, I was growing in my walk. Um, and I wanted to get baptized, I think. And my parents said, maybe like, wait till you're a little older just so you can be sure, you know, like once you like, if you wait a little bit, then you can come and tell us like you still want to get baptized. And so I remember hitting that age where I was finally able to like get baptized, but I was like totally procrastinating on it. And I was like, maybe that's a sign. I don't know. So I feel like I dealt with a period of doubt for a while. Um, But it was super helpful because I just went through a lot of trials during that time and was able to see that I always came back to like, no, like God is the way like I want to stick with this. Like there was never any shifting in my mindset as far as like, do I really want anything to do with him? You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. I was just terrified. Like once I get baptized, like this is it. But then I was like, well, this is it either way. So like, yeah, why would I be afraid to get baptized? Like I'm 100% Mm. sure that like I want this, like nothing's ever going to change that. So that's kind of my testimony wrapped up in a little nutshell. I got baptized in 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, been going strong. (laughs) Beautiful. Love it. (laughs) I think there's, uh, there's so much there. Like, I think I've been thinking about this a lot lately too. Like even that sense of that, like what you were feeling of like constantly needing to be forgiven of sin, even if like it wasn't anything crazy, like you weren't out there like slandering people and like doing all kinds (laughs) of crazy stuff. But like, I think that just goes to show how much weight, even the smallest of sins has on our conscience and Mm -hmm. even more so weighs on the Lord. every sin no matter because i think a lot of times especially in christian circles we think like we have like the big four sins of like drugs sex uh alcohol cursing like we have like these big sins in our mind that we like i can't go to god with that like even the smallest sins of like telling a half truth yep even like to the smallest detail of not being holy like he is Mm -hmm. holy as he commands us weighs on the lord and 
I think in your in that state it weighed on you as well, and I think mm-hmm. that's an important thing, important reality that I think Christians should dwell more on because there's a lot yeah. of acceptable sins in the Christian community that we've just kind of adopted. Like, well, it's okay if X Y Z circumstance. Yeah, I wasn't or, being one hundred percent truthful, but it yeah. wasn't really like a but big I didn't deal. Want to hurt their feelings, It'd be like, weird you know, to go like, back now and say I'm sorry for that because it really wasn't a big deal. Yeah, <laughs> uh, again, yes, there's so much like that. So I think that's really cool. And it's just cool to see how the Lord works all that out for for his glory. Yep. Um, okay. Yeah. So similarly to you, obviously, same family. Grew up in a Christian home. I feel like for myself, I always understood the Bible to a decent level. And I think that knowledge of going to church every week and every, you know, Bible study created just a lot of pride in my understanding of the scripture from a young age and being able to memorize verses. I remember being in Sunday school and they would give a prize for whoever memorized a verse. Mm. I remember I'd come in with like all of Psalm 51 memorized, which is like 15 <laughs> verses. I'm like, give me 15 points. Dog. <laughs> <laughs> so I think just that, like that sense of like using the Bible for my own selfish reasons mm. from a very young age was something that I can clearly look back on mm-hmm. everything about myself before becoming a Christian was just very self-centered, self-oriented. You go. I went to church to hang out with friends and to hang out, not because I wanted to learn. It was me learning about God and learning about scripture and memorizing verses was almost like the unfortunate byproduct of me being there. It was just like something that I had to go through in order to get to the fun parts of hanging out and mm-hmm. running around and being a kid. Um, and I think... After getting to about 11 or 12, I started feeling like very lost and very purposeless, kind of just like floating in, even as like a 12 year old kid, you wouldn't really think that a 12 year old kid would be thinking that, but Mm -hmm. totally was at that point of like, what's really happening? Like what's really going on around me? And I think being at church like gave me some semblance of I know what should, I should be doing, Mm. but I liked my sin more and was not willing to submit and say i'm not the most important thing in my life god is Mm -hmm. and yeah i remember being 12 and my older brother who's been on the podcast before shout out to him it's his birthday (laughs) og um i remember he went to an evangelism evangelism outing with uh, our old church and he came home it was really late at night and he was like telling me about it and he was telling me about how he met this guy at a uh at a train station and he was evangelizing to him, and that person turned to him and made a profession of faith. Mm-hmm. And to see how powerful that was to my brother at that time was really moving to me. And I think because me and my brother have always been close, he knew where I was at spiritually and knew that I was lost. And he evangelized to me at that moment after kind of feeling the reaction to that story. He kind of asked me the same question he asked that person at the train station of if you were to die tonight where would you go Mm. and with my selfish prideful sinful heart i my immediate answer was heaven because i knew about god i was a decent kid i wasn't committing any of those like big sins that people talk about so Mm -hmm. in my mind was like why wouldn't i be going to heaven yeah and it was through that that my brother evangelized to me again reading me through matthew 27 of christ dying for me and even though I heard the gospel hundreds and hundreds of times, it just clicked in that moment of 
Christ gave himself up so that way I can have a relationship with him and to submit myself to him and to be forgiven and to find that purpose and to be fulfilled in Christ, not fulfilled in the things of the world. Mm. Um, so I was, it was that night I was 12 that I think my relationship with Christ started. I think similarly, similarly to you, I was still very young. So there were things that I just didn't understand and trials that I hadn't experienced yet. And I feel like my faith was still heavily, heavily predicated on family and the people in my life that I knew that were saved. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like I didn't have strong convictions. Like, this is why I believe what I believe. Like, I knew Christ died for me and I knew I had a relationship with Mm -hmm. him, but I still couldn't necessarily like quantify all those things for you. So I think going through high school and shortly after high school, just plenty of different trials and different things that like really shook me. To a point where I was like, is this even worth it? Mm. And I remember because I was a big thing, like you said, like being baptized. I remember when I got baptized at 17, I remember like after I was baptized, I had this like weird feeling like I couldn't sin anymore or else like my baptism was like <laughs> worthless. Discounted. <laughs> yeah. It's so, like I struggled a lot with that after of feeling like I had to be perfect or else I would have to be rebaptized later on. Mm. Um, and then after going through the trials that I went through at around 18 and 19, where it was like really really severe and i just really didn't care about life in general i think it was the lord right there directing me back to church week after week Hmm. to hear sermons that i felt like were directly pointed at me and i think that's where i kind of regained that fire that i had when i was 12 to want to be saved i feel like i regained it at that age of about 19 and i feel like that's where my convictions really got cemented in this is why i believe the scriptures i know why christ did what he did to offer to sacrifice himself for me to offer me forgiveness and i want to live that out and and i think at that age even though i do think i was saved at 12 i think it was a lot more between the ages of like 17 and 19 Mm -hmm. where those convictions and my faith really cemented themselves in my heart and I wanted to live it out more, not just have an understanding and have a surfacey relationship with the Lord. You know, right. more prayer, more scripture, living the things out in the Bible that we see. Um, so, yeah, that's basically, again, kind of shotgun version. But, yeah, that, that's that's how it happened. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so, that's that question. Thank you so much for asking. We always love sharing. I mean, testimonies are an amazing thing. So. Mm-hmm. Feel free to share your guys' testimonies in the comments below or, you know, send us a message directly. We'd love to talk to you guys about how the Lord, you know, worked in your life. Yep. Um, Next question is an interesting question and I Mm -hmm. think a very important question. The question is, how can you help someone understand that morality and truth is not subjective? Very interesting question. Um, I'll start us off. I think... There's a couple different answers depending on who you're talking to, which is kind of what we said before we started. Mm -hmm. Obviously, if you're talking to a believer, a believer understands that the Bible is the ultimate authority because it is God's word breathed. It is Mm -hmm. God's word. We know what truth is because the Bible tells us that every man has the law written on his heart so that way he is without excuse. So I think as a believer, that's a fairly easy question to answer. Because we have Romans 2.15, which talks about that. We have Romans one twenty that talks about that. 
just understanding the presence of God, understanding that God is perfect, understanding that he is creator. And then in 2.15, talking about the law, how that's written on our heart, how we are without excuse, and how we know what's right. It's, it's, it's in us. So as a believer, that's a very easy question to answer. I think if you're talking to someone who doesn't have that foundation of having the Bible as the ultimate authority in your life, mm-hmm. it can be very difficult because it becomes very that post-post-modernism view of the world where it's my truth and your truth. And I can go through life and I can say, here's my experience. Here's what I've seen in the world. This is true for me because this is what happened to me. Hmm. That may be completely different from what's happened in your life and the next person's life. And if you ask 100 people what their truth is, you can get 100 different answers. Mm -hmm. And that's why that doesn't really work. So I think in the world, we have to distill it down even smaller and with the same biblical principles of what we see in Romans, if you were to go out into the street and ask any random person if they think murder is wrong, you will hear that it is wrong. Universally known it is wrong because, again, we know it's written on our heart. A uh, non-believer doesn't necessarily understand why, that they, why they know that. They don't understand why they know it's wrong, but they right. do. And that's why we have laws. That's why we have all these things that move human morality in the right direction even if they don't know why and i think that's why in today's society we're seeing such a breakdown of morality because we're saying that those things are no longer objectively true and it's now my truth and Mm -hmm. it's now your truth and if i feel it's a very feelings based uh reality of truth and morality if i feel like this is something that i should do or if i feel like this is good for me it's good for me And that's all that matters. Mm -hmm. So it's a very, um, I think, suppressive view of life. Because again, we all know whether you're a believer or not. And however you want to, whatever mental gymnastics you want to put yourself through to say that there isn't objective truth and objective morality. I think that's just what we see again in scripture of we suppress the truth and unrighteousness. Mm -hmm. Um, So I don't know. I have absolutely nothing to add on to. (laughs) I thought that was perfectly put. Yeah, Yeah, so... It, and it's it's hard to if so like again if they're not a believer it can be hard to explain that to someone right. why they th- why they know that Cause they're like it's just human decency you're like yes but, <laughs> but again where does human decency right. come from yeah right so yeah it's hard to explain to someone who doesn't understand it but again i think we have to preach to the people in a way that gives them more credit because i think a lot of times i find myself talking to someone about conversations like this where I know that they know the truth, but they're saying something else to me. And I think we just have to appeal to that truth that we know is in them mm-hmm. and help them flush that out for themselves. Just yeah. ask them questions that get to their heart and let them know- ask questions that help them reveal to themselves that they actually do know the truth. Yeah. Because once you suppress the truth in unrighteousness for so long. If you talk to them like they're just dumb <laughs> or like, oh, yeah, yeah, it's impossible for them to understand this because they're not yeah they're not saved because it's, it's a 50 50 balance thing where you don't want to validate them by saying yeah your truth is your truth but right. you, you don't want to give them that because mm-hmm. that's false that's not right but at the same time you don't want to disrespect them or come at them in a way that makes them feel inferior to you mm-hmm. you want to approach them in a way that makes them want to hear because right. the bible says that um you know even if you're speaking truth if you're saying it in an unloving tone, you're going to sound like a noisy gong. And no one's going to want to listen to that. 
So I think just, I think that's Colossians, Colossians 3. I don't remember. I should have wrote that down. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so that's how I would answer that question. Um, yeah, I think this segues perfectly into the next question. <laughs> um, you guys asked, can you be a Democrat and be saved? <laughs> I don't, <laughs> I'll preface this question by saying I hate talking about politics on this show because I think Christianity and politics are so closely intertwined these days that it makes it very muddy and i don't think it should be that way because politics has nothing to do with christianity i think at the end of the day but i'll pass it over to you first i don't know how you would address that question well a lot of people would say that politics have everything to do with christianity because you know like if you vote for this specific person who believes in doing something that doesn't align with scripture but then it's like okay what president do we know that's just so aligned with scripture in every way? You know what I mean? Like none yeah. of them are saved. So, well, my answer to that would be we're speaking from an American lens. There's no other governmental system in the right. world that operates the way that America does. That's so true. when American Christian Christianity preaches this message of Christ, uh, Christianity and politics are intertwined, that's mm-hmm. not true. We don't see that anywhere in scripture where the apostles were voting on a prime minister or a pilot or something. We don't see that. Right. So I think when people try to bundle them together, I think that's speaking from, again, a very subjective view of where you live in history where we have the ability, and it's a great privilege that we live here, to yeah. be able to even have a say in voting on a more moral and more Christian-like principle, or mm. someone who has those principles. Mm-hmm. But to push that out onto society as a whole, and to say that uh, politics and Christianity are super intertwined, I think is nonsense. Right. Yeah, I would I would agree with that. I definitely think that you can be a democrat per se and be saved i think that you can really it really that's what frustrates me so much is when people are so they put so much of their identity into which party they're connected to you know like i'm a democrat or i'm a republican so like blah blah blah, you know all this all this stuff but it's like no you're a christian and yes you might agree with some things that this certain party is doing but if you're truly a christian you're probably not going to agree with a lot of other stuff that same party is doing as well so Mm -hmm. wrapping your whole identity in it would be the problem but i wouldn't say if someone was like yeah i i tend to you know identify more with like this whatever group (laughs) (laughs) you know i wouldn't be like well that's impossible that you're saved then you know what i mean but i think there are definitely a lot of conversations you could have with that person like hey like what do you think about this that the democrat the democratic party believes or whatever you know like how do you link that to christianity type thing but you can do that the same with any party because like i said (laughs) no party is you know free of you know horrible sin because every party does some pretty pretty nasty junk (laughs) so that would be my answer i wouldn't view it any different like as I just would say my precaution for that person and any person who believes in any party would be not to put their whole identity and being like, no, I am a Democrat. No, you're a Christian who shares, who believes that, you know, most of this stuff is what you side with or whatever. That may Right. Be. And I think that is extremely well said. Our identity is in Christ, not in political affiliations. Yeah. So back to what I was saying before, like to to link those two so strongly, I think could be detrimental to it's people. It's very dangerous. And I also think there's a lot of presuppositions even in the question in itself, right? 
because at least from my vantage point and the person who asked the question, you can correct me if I'm wrong. Um, when this question is asked, I think it's strongly linked to the idea that if you are a Christian and you associate yourself as a Democrat, then by default, you support gay rights, you support abortion, and you support all of these really terrible things that right. the left, uh, you know, purports. Right. Which I think, in a general sense, that's a logical conclusion, because if I'm associating myself with a political party, that and if that political party believes XYZ uh, thing that I don't agree with or that's unbiblical, it's a logical next step. But it's not always that way. I think it would be very mm -hmm. easy for someone to align with some of the democratic views and not agree with abortion. In right. the same way that there are views on the Republican side that Republicans or Christians don't always agree with, but yeah. they still associate themselves with the Republican Party. So I think we go super extreme and make assumptions about what people stand for just by them saying, oh, I associate more over here versus over here. Right. So there's very little ground for understanding because if I say, I'm a Democrat, then you say, you've killed millions and millions of babies then. Right. And it's immediately down to that person's character and it's a personal It's like attack. when you talk about racism and they're like, so yeah. you like BLM. <laughs> but exactly. Yeah. It's exactly that. Same thing. So I think it's extremely dangerous to say that someone can't be saved mm -hmm. if they associate in a political party. I think, there, like you said, there's a lot of questions that need to be asked before we jump to assumptions about yeah. where someone stands on any particular issue it, it's just so divisive to even have that thinking of like so are you even really saved then if you yeah. said you know what i mean because then i feel like you're not even thinking like okay this is like a brother and sister like this is like the brother and sisters in christ or whatever it's more like oh, okay so you identify with that party like right you're nothing to me you know what i mean like that's Basically. what it turns into it's just so sad that like yeah no one's like well this is like my brother and sister in christ like let me see where they come from it's an automatic like disqualification which is just so sad and like the question to me i was like that's so sad that like this is really a question you know but like Honestly, in this day and age, I feel like it a is. lot of people are thinking this way, which is, you yeah, know, needs totally. to be corrected in a sense, not saying this is like a bad question or something, but it's people just question. need to, yeah, it's a great question. So we can actually talk about the fact that like, we shouldn't feel this way. Right. Like, you know, like this is not, this is a very divisive yeah, feeling. <laughs> because it creates the same paradigm, right? Because as a, as a Christian who identifies with conservative views, right? When you go to the workplace... If you say you're a Republican, what happens? You get ostracized. Yeah, people make fun toasted. of you. You get <laughs> toasted. You get roasted. All that because people hate you for it. And I think we've created the same paradigm in the Christian yeah. circle where if you were to say you're a Democrat, you will get reamed with people right. that are like, what are you doing? We don't like you. Are you even saved? Like, So we want to not do that <laughs> as yeah. much as possible because there's yeah. so much room, again, for people to grow. And I will say this, I think as a Christian, we do have a responsibility, especially in an American society, and I stress that because it's the only society where this happens, we have a responsibility to vote responsibly and try and push as many Christian ideals as we can. Right. I think as a believer, I think generally speaking, there are more Christian ideals in the conservative realm than there are in the liberal realm. And I think as a Christian, we have responsibility to try and push those as much as we can. Right. So I think 
I would probably venture to say over time as a Christian, the more you mature, the more that you grow, you would probably have differing opinions as you go through your life. Not saying if you started as a Democrat, you're going to end as a Republican because you got matured and sanctified. I'm not saying that, but (laughs) um, I just think there are things that you will want to stand for and it will lend you acting a certain way, whether that's voting one year for a Republican, maybe another year for a Democrat. There's no one way, one size fits all. So I think we just have to... Yeah, yeah, about it. Yeah, just there's always that link of like responsibility and conviction, right? And how those two mesh together on how you live your life. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's how I'd answer that question. Great question. If you guys have any thoughts on that, I would love to hear what you guys think about that because yeah, it's a very interesting question. I think there could be a lot of interesting replies to that. (laughs) So here's another interesting one: how to address somebody. I'm presuming this is a Christian. Um, How to address someone who relies on therapy versus scripture? Hmm. It's a good question. It is a good question. I think this could be a whole episode, personally. (laughs) I know. Seriously. But um, what are your thoughts on that? What would you tell someone who relies on therapy? Well, a lot of therapy is grounded in a lot of, like, a, a lot of the themes are kind of, like, self-love type, you know, trauma, trauma healing, yeah. like, you know, um, how to fix your, your, your childhood <laughs> trauma, I don't know, like, <laughs> yeah. all that, all that stuff, um, and a lot of that stuff ends up, the common theme is just self-pity dwelling on you know what you think you deserve like how can people treat me better how can I make myself priority over you know whoever else because I need to put myself first like it's all very very worldly most of the time and if I think if you talk to a lot of people who've done therapy maybe before they were saved or something like that they'll Mm. tell you that um So I'd say coming at it from like a biblical lens and being like, how does what this person's teaching you compare to what the Bible says? And then say, what does the Bible say about facing difficulty and facing trials? And I think it just like it all comes down to like people act as if like I'm facing these trials and they're just like so impossible to get through. Like what I've been through is just like it's impossible to heal. Like I need something like so deep to heal this type of thing right and they act as if like this is a surprising event that they've went through this you know what i mean but it's like it's so clear in scripture that it's like this is literally like what we're told is going to happen you know what i mean like you're going to endure hardship you're going to suffer you're going to you know all these things right yeah and people act surprised yeah they act surprised like why am i going through you know what i mean and so it's like with all these things because the bible literally told us this is going to happen it comes with an answer key as well as how to have how to fix those issues or to get past those issues yeah um and i think it all comes down to having a um kingdom focused mindset the less you dwell on yourself honestly i promise you the better you will feel the more you focus on christ instead of you know the rut you're in the better you'll feel so i feel like it therapy really goes exactly against normally what the bible you know would say is actually going to be helpful for you so i feel like it's a pretty easy conversation to get into if you're like hey like 
let's take a look at like what you're being told and like what the Bible says. Not to say that every therapist is going to just go off the wall and say some crazy crap because right, right. I'm sure that's not the case. I'm sure there's sure. there is some like truth to the things people say in therapy, Absolutely. right? And that's not to say that you can't find healing in that somewhat, but Christ is literally the only way you can fully heal. So if you're doing one thing without the other and one is outweighing the other that is more on the worldly side, you're definitely going to go downhill fast would be, you know, kind of the conversation I have with that person. Yes, I would totally agree. I think it's important to identify what you're getting, right? Mm -hmm. And I think the reason and i can totally rationalize and empathize for a believer who would want to go to therapy yeah because i think at the root of what you're getting from ther- therapy the main benefit i don't even think it's what the therapist says back to you i don't really think that's what you're getting what i think you're really getting at the end of the day is just ears yep someone you can to tell listen someone to you. unfiltered uncensored just your raw problem mm-hmm. without a shadow of a doubt of that person objecting to you in any real way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So I think that's the real benefit. And I, I think that comes from Christian circles not doing this very well. Yep. I think in Christian circles, and I've hesitated to talk to people about things because that's how Christian circles are. You know poorly. when you tell someone, or there's a very large possibility, and this is something as a whole that Christians we need to work on, myself included, is when a brother or sister comes to you with a problem, you don't need to uppercut them with verse after verse. Like, so you know you're in sin, right? Yeah, that's not <laughs> always the the methodology that's going to get through to that person's heart. Mm-hmm. So when I hear Christians that have gone to therapy, I get it. Like they want to go to someone that's going to listen to them and just listen and validate what they're hearing or what they're saying, because that's what the therapists do, right? They'll listen to you and say, I understand you. Here's where that comes from. And then they'll give you their psychology on where they believe that that feeling comes from. And as Christians who in most Christian circles disavow psychology as a whole, they'll be like, well, that's because you're sin. Right, <laughs> and then just they'll go straight to because your sinful nature, yada yada. And well, I was just... also gonna say that's kind of like for the people who are going to seek therapy. I feel like part of the reason they also do it is because they know they're gonna get justification for why they think the way they think Amen. or do what they Amen. do. You know, they're like, yeah, they'll tell me like something in my brain was wired where I I have a chemical imbalance. Exactly, and that's what people want. Is like, why do I feel this way? It can't be me. Like, yeah could not be me (laughs) yeah well i think they also just want to know that it's not their fault right yeah they they want to be absolved of the responsibility and i think that's where the christian community hits really well in one sense because we want to ascribe responsibility to individuals which i'm all for we need that people need to be taking responsibility for choices that they make and even for things that are not necessarily their fault like things that happened in your childhood if you had like parents that weren't saved or even the parents were saved but they maybe treated you poorly or you went through a relationship and someone screwed you over like there are things that you can't always control right Mm -hmm. and i think even in those we have to look at the totality of our lives and say okay if we're a believer we know that every situation that we go through is from the Lord. Whether mm-hmm. that's something we did and we made a bad choice and the Lord allowed us to make that choice and now we're in a trial because of it. Mm-hmm. Or if that's something like Job where he just brings a trial into our lives and says, here's a test for you. 
Right. Because there's going to be a mix of those in life. It's not always someone's fault or you made a bad choice. Sometimes it's just the Lord giving you a trial to say, have faith it's in me. It's just a thorn in your side. Amen <laughs> to that. He said, nah. <laughs> so I think it's a balanced thing where I'd want to address this individual to say, to really ask themselves that question of, A, what are you getting from therapy that you can't get from either another brother and sister in Christ or from scripture? Mm-hmm. Because we know that Christ is our high priest. You can empathize with us on every struggle. Well, you know what? I think part of the problem is that this like shows that we really don't view Christ and God. Like our relationship with him is him like actually like being here. You know what I mean? Mm. Like when we talk to him, it's like you're just kind of like throwing words out into the yeah. air. We don't to view it. Upstairs. Right. Because like when you said like, oh, there's someone there to listen. We don't think of like God in that way. We don't. You know what I mean? Which we should. Like literally no one could listen more perfectly to what you're going through than God. Like yeah. he literally understands it perfectly. But we just like our minds just like don't view it that way of like I literally could talk to the person who created me yeah. about this issue in depth but nah like but see, I think, you know I mean? and that's why faith is so difficult right yeah. because that's what he wants us to do the lord wants us to come to him with every single request no matter how big or how small yeah but i think what we really want is approval and understanding from the people we can see feel and yep. you know we need the tangible. like physical reassurance we do thing. and i think that's why it's so hard for people and i get it like there's some things in my life that i look back on i'm like I don't know if anyone will really understand this to the level of which I experienced it. Yeah. But God does. Mm -hmm. But God does. And I think when we try to look for closure and we try to look for like putting it to bed with people. Right. We're never going to get that. And that's why we always feel so unsatisfied with those situations. And I think about it often with like relationships, right? You hear that often. I just wanted closure with that person. Closure doesn't exist, (laughs) guys. It's not real. The closure is just in your mind of you feeling like they understood you. That's really what they want when they say they want closure. And I remember feeling that same way. And that's why I continued communication with someone that I dated in the past. Because I just like, I kept talking to them. I was like, I just want you to know how badly I felt. Mm -hmm. And regardless of how you phrase it, you could be the most eloquent person in the world and explain your heart to the fullest that person still might not understand what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So to seek closure, to seek approval and validation from other flawed, sinful human beings is going to leave you feeling very unsatisfied. And I think, like you said, going to the Lord is the best thing you can do. Because I think Mm -hmm. there's like three tiers (laughs) when I think of going to somebody, right? And they get progressively worse. Mm -hmm. So you have the Lord. Ultimate authority. You can go to him with anything. The best thing you can do. Then you have slightly below that, you have like biblical counseling or like going to another Christian. Highly strongly recommend it. We need to be doing it. But there still is room for error there because we're we're flawed humans. We're sinful. We're also going to be speaking from experience and Mm -hmm. things that maybe are not 100% scripture based. But it's more based in scripture than the world. So if you're not doing that and then you're going to the worldly therapy, that's just a whole nother level down where there's zero scripture, purely man. So I think there's just a, like yeah. hierarchy of where we should be going with our problems. Starts with God, then the church, and I would say almost as last resort, ditch effort therapy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Definitely. So that's how I would answer that question. Let me know if you guys have any thoughts about that. I would love to hear what you guys think about therapy as a whole because I think in the Christian community, it's not a uh, popular thing mm-hmm. to recommend to someone. I don't know if I'd recommend it. I don't think I would, but you know, I'm open to conversation about it. Mm-hmm. 
This is a great question. I think... I... I, <laughs> I love this question. How do you know if you're settling in a relationship? <laughs> I feel like a pretty basic answer would be if you're really just like not feeling the way you know you should we all know how we want to feel okay we know how we want to feel we want to feel over the moon like on cloud nine when that person texts us you know what i mean Mm -hmm. you know how you should feel so if you're not feeling that but you're like i can make it work like you know like it's fine like there i might not have any other chances you know so like this is good enough yeah i want to double down on that (laughs) i think there's multiple levels to this question and i think it depends on what you mean by settling okay Mm. because how do like he's just not a 10 but like he's an eight i guess i'll date him Well, I think the ultimate question stems from, like you're mentioning, a level of desire. Right. So if I'm dating somebody and I desire that person, if someone comes out from the outside and goes, man, I don't really think that person's that attractive or X, Y, Z reason why they think you're settling. If I truly desire that person, there's nothing that the that someone can tell me that's going to stop me from desiring them even if what they're saying is completely true if i say in an alternate universe i'm a 10 out of 10 on a on the attractive scale right and i'm dating someone who's a five if i'm still desiring that person even if someone tells me oh you're much more objectively good looking than that person doesn't matter i still want to be with them so in their sense they would say you're settling but to the individual who at the end of the day that's all that matters if you desire that person, you're not settling. I think from a more important lens, there are objective things that you don't want to overlook for the fact that you desire someone. If you are a Christian, I think this is an easy example, and you desire someone that's not a Christian, mm-hmm. you could still desire that person and in your mind be like, I'm not settling because I really desire them. But mm. if they're not saved, we know that you shouldn't be dating them. And you'd right. be doing yourself a disservice to continue in that relationship. There's so many different ways you could take this question. <laughs> right. There yeah. really is. And I think it's, again, why you're asking it. Because I think most people ask it in the sense of people have told them things. They're getting mixed opinions on the person that they're interested in or the person that they're dating. And they don't know if they're making the right decision. Or they have a really high view of themselves. And they're like, this person's just like... Yeah. Not what I expected for myself, you know? Like, even though they really like them, they struggle with the fact of, like, oh, but, like, people would say I could do better, and I think I could do better, so. Yeah. But I like them. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's a very, it's it's an emotional question, Mm -hmm. which I was talking to one of my friends the other day, and we were talking about happiness. And we were talking about, um, People using happiness as a barometer for their relationships. Mm. And I think that is the worst thing you could do. I think we all want to be happy in our relationships and that's great. We should, and you should be generally speaking happy with the person that you're dating. But if you make decisions based on your feelings of happiness, (laughs) you are going to make some terrible decisions. Yeah. It's about distilling down what you want from an individual or what you should be looking for rather. Mm christian character 
Are they, you know, do they have a servant's heart? All these things that we know we need to be looking for in a life partner. Yeah. Those are the things that are going to be the barometers of how I choose somebody. Not like, oh, I just feel happy. So I think we should date. Like those feelings of happiness are so fleeting. Like I can recall clear as day in, in the relationship, being with the person, feeling happy, feeling on cloud nine. Then as soon as we go our separate ways, just that cloud comes over you because feel, happiness is fleeting. It's, it's vapor. It's nothing. So I think in one sense, there's that truth that someone that is truly good for you and truly loves you will bring happiness to your life. You cannot make decisions based off of purely just your emotion of happiness. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Yeah, I feel like that would be a whole conversation, a whole settling, like the whole settling question would be a whole episode, whole episode, you know, because there's different routes you take that as to what do you mean (laughs) by settling? Like in what context are you settling? You know, 100% be very interesting. That is a good question though. Yeah. I think the last question we're going to do, um, is a very interesting question. I don't know. We may need, just need to do a separate episode on this as well. Um, but can you truly say that you love somebody after only dating them or being in a relationship with them for a few weeks? Did you know them beforehand? (laughs) Does that matter? (laughs) That's a whole nother question. I'm kidding. Um, I would say yes. You say you can. I think you can. Okay. Because based off of my own (laughs) personal experience, I feel like, (laughs) I feel like Nikki. (laughs) I'm so excited to hear what you want to come out of your mouth right now. (laughs) I would say Nikki would, Nikki and I would both say that we genuinely felt like we loved each other a couple weeks in, but we would have never admitted to that for the sake of it sounding like that would be like ridiculous. Okay, but what does that mean though? Like, when you say, I love you, and it's two weeks in, what does that mean to you? To me, yeah, <laughs> that means I love them as a person. You know, okay. I care about them. I mean, all, basically, the definition of love would be how you feel. You know what I mean? No. I no, don't think that's no. True. I'm not saying the definition of love is how you feel. I'm yeah. saying the definition of love is what I'm talking about. Like, yeah. that's all, like, that's how you would feel about that person is the definition oh, yeah. of love. Sorry. Sure. I was like, that's I'm not saying, what that's I mean. That's not right. You can't say <laughs> no, that. Not. not on air. <laughs> um, so I feel like all those things that you, like, now thinking about it from a perspective of being married to him, right? Obviously, sure. I love him now. I would say that knowing that love, I would still consider the fact that I loved him then. Like, I yeah. wouldn't be like, oh, it was so different. You know what I mean? Like, I just, it was all, you know, the beginning jitters of dating or whatever. Like, I wouldn't right. say it was that. Sure. I would say it would. It was pretty genuine. And yeah. he would say that. I feel like now that we were married and we love each other, we can now say confidently, like, oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure, like, we were actually, like, totally in love back then. You see yeah. what I'm saying? I don't yeah. know. Why? Do you think opposite? No, no, no. <laughs> I think what you're saying is fine. I think... A lot of times people overcomplicate that. Yeah. And they create that dynamic where they feel like they can't say it because if they say it, even though they feel it and they functionally are living it, right. it's going to sound crazy it's even though soon. they're already doing yeah, it. Yeah. There's like a time, an acceptable time of when you're allowed yeah. to feel that way. I think it's also 
distilling down what it means to love somebody Mm -hmm. because as Christians, we love everybody in a generic sense. Right. And I think I hear that a lot of, you know, it's the same type of thing, which I don't think that it is. Mm -mm. I think a lot of that love that you were explaining, like when you first started dating Nikki is again, based off that desire to want to be with somebody forever mm-hmm. and like you love hanging out with each other you understand each other you're physically attracted to one another mm-hmm. like there's just all of that chemistry all those sparks are flying which creates that feeling of like i love this person mm-hmm. i think a lot of times that can be a little bit shallow when we look at the totality of what it means to truly love somebody mm-hmm. in a sacrificial way of like i would give myself up for this person mm-hmm so I think we use that word a little bit loosely in today's dating uh, circles because I think we feel a lot of those emotions. We feel extremely strongly about somebody at a given time. But again, I think those emotions are fleeting because that feeling of love you have for someone two or three weeks in can drastically change once you hit a bump in the road or have your first disagreement. And you're like, but that I don't know if we're going to make it. But that could happen three or four months in too. Yeah, it can. That's the thing. There's, a, there's just no time limit like it it, that's the thing like the question i feel like will always be yes because you can't put a time limit on when something happens even if it's not normally the case and like there's instances like you say where you're you think you're feeling something and you're not of course that totally happens but like the opposite happens as well so it's like you just like can't say no i would agree i would never tell someone like you're not you don't really love them like i (laughs) I would never do that because like think about like like back in the like you know back in the day when there wasn't dating like this you know you didn't date people for long periods of time it was like people were genuinely like i love this person i want to marry this person and they got married like two minutes yeah it's like well i think (laughs) back in the day it's a different a different context as a whole because the con the the structure of marriage was much more beneficial for both individuals on a practical level in today's society marriage and relationships is based on rom-coms fairy tales and dreams about finding your soulmate and doing all this stuff and living life together and drinking margaritas in jamaica with your wife you know we don't like, drink that's the Christian. way we look at relationships in today's society because we have the choice right, right. like i get to pick the person that i want to be with and back, that's why it's so confusing yeah but back in the day <laughs> you'd meet the random waitress at the diner and you're like wow this lady's really pretty and then there's functional utility to it of like the lady gets provided for from the man and like there's that like natural just fulfillment of like the gender roles that you just saw clear as day back then and even in like bible times like it was almost it was pretty much a necessity for you to be married as a woman because if you weren't you weren't able to do certain things you had no money you had no financial standing like there was like the practicality of marriage now with the choice of marriage and who you marry and why you marry like all these other factors play in to what that love really looks like so when i ask people like why do you love this person especially like if they're recently dating a lot of times the answers you hear are kind of like surfacey and you're like okay like i'm not gonna say you don't love them yeah like i'm not gonna (laughs) say you don't but also there's not a lot of substance there so i think there is a fine balance of having a baseline of this person's character and understanding mm-hmm. who they are and what you love about them not just i think they're hot and they're nice to me because they also think i'm hot <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah we want to get that out of the way so it's a hard question to quantify and like you said you can't put a time limit on it so if you truly felt that you love someone in three weeks in hey man knock yourself out Aaliyah. Mm-hmm. 
I know. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. <laughs> Clearly, that was the case. It's correct? possible. So, it's obviously possible. I just think it's just rare. You got to be careful. I think it's more. It's it's rare. Yeah, because lust is common <laughs> and love yeah. is more rare. <laughs> so I think lust is a lot easier to digest than what true love actually looks like. Yeah. Like in a lived out sense because like in a dating relationship too it's hard to practically live out love in that way because you're not necessarily i'm not responsible for the person that i date Mm -hmm. like they still are living their own life completely separate from mine they're making choices on their own i have no authority over them like there's no link between us so it's hard to really say like i you know die for this person like right now i mean i will say though that's why we always say it doesn't take long to know if you want to marry someone right this is true that's why the dating period should be significantly shorter engagement should all be shorter because i do think it really doesn't take that long to know that you love someone and that you want to be with them yeah you know so but i think why this question is important because a lot of people understand that but they want this fairy tale version of life like Oh, we just, you know, we were dating and then at this really important moment in our relationship, he said, I love you for the first time. And that's when I knew like he really cared about me. Like it's very, it's just so idealized from media and culture. Well, like we have such a delusions of grandeur on what it looks like. That's on the, inside. the thing though, is sometimes you can tell that like, okay, for me and Nikki, he didn't have to tell me. Yeah. I already knew. Yeah. So when he told me it wasn't shocking, it was like, yeah, I know. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? Why wouldn't you? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> and it was like the same for both of us. Like we both sure. knew exactly that that was the case. So I think honestly, maybe that's how you can even tell more so is when you, they don't have to tell you, you already know that through their action. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like sure. you're like, by the way this relationship is going, the way you're treating this relationship, what you're doing in the relationship, you know, all the effort they're putting into the relationship. I think you should be able to if it's actual love you'll be able to tell before they tell you that i agree but i strongly believe that verbal communication of those important emotions that you feel oh yeah are it's super important imperative that they happen because right. if we're not communicating it and i see this all the time we're like you see people that like l- love each other and you can tell they love each other by the way they treat each other but you talk to them like oh well we're saving that till xyz date right and it's like what benefit is that to you if you're living that out and you both know it oh yeah but you're not saying it and i think for myself and again this i've said this a hundred times and i'll say it a hundred times more do not assume that you'll get another chance to tell that person something yeah when you feel it say it yeah like and obviously there's you want to have wisdom with that is you don't want to just be like on the first day i love you like you don't that's not what i'm saying but (laughs) In a very real sense, if you come to a conclusion, like if I'm dating someone and it's been a couple months and I think this person, if it's been three weeks, if it's been three weeks to stay on the question and I truly feel like this person is someone that I think is special that I could see myself being with, I want to make sure that that person knows that that I think that way, that Mm -hmm. I feel that about them. Because in the event that something crazy happens or just you never know what life's going to throw at you. There's also a way of phrasing that too. Yeah. Like, if that's the case, you know you love them and you want to be with them, but it's only been three weeks. Yeah. You can still say, like, hey, I really feel like I really see, like, a future with it. You know, like, there's way of yeah. phrasing it without being like, I'm so in love, you know? Yeah, like, like I'm <laughs> buying a ring tomorrow. Exactly, like, it's not like freaking that. people out. Like, you can phrase it 
tactfully yeah and i think that's the problem is people go to such extremes with these kinds of questions it's like either you're confessing your love and this is the only person for you in your entire life or you don't say anything until you've already had three kids and now you can tell them you love them (laughs) it's like there is a middle ground where you can land where it's like share what you feel and don't be scared of the things that you genuinely feel. yeah and it's not wrong to feel those things early on i feel like people make it out as like oh like if you're feeling those things early on it it's just lust but it's like yeah. that's not how that's not how it works you that's know what i mean like nope. you you can't help when you feel something for that person you can't help the timing of that yeah so i completely agree guys don't overthink it it's not as hard as it sounds obviously relationships can get messy because humans are sinful and we do stupid things all the time mm-hmm. but don't uh don't overthink it so with that being said thank you all so much for listening to us rant about your questions thank you so much for submitting your questions this has been super fun and i like i said i want to do it again soon so keep the questions rolling in let us know what you thought about our takes on the answers that we gave and um, don't forget to like comment and subscribe and we will see you all on the next episode